Here we go. You are listening to Rumination Law and Gospel on this Tuesday, July the 13th in the year of our Lord 2021. And we're going to be taking a look at the hymn, The Church's One Foundation. It was written by Samuel Stone, who died in 1900. And he really appreciated the simple piety of his parishioners. They recited the Apostles' Creed at worship and in their personal devotions. Yet, he realized that many of his congregation really possessed a very meager comprehension of the breadth and depth of meaning contained in each article of the Confession of Faith. So to provide a devotional aid for them, Stone composed 12 hymns and published them in a little book called 12 Hymns on the 12 Articles of the Apostles' Creed. The church's one foundation is a meditation. It is the ninth hymn of the 12, and it is a meditation on the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. There have been a number of changes made in it, but in our hymnal, the LSB, it also includes a Spanish translation by the 20th century Episcopal clergyman, Lefford M. A. Hauchbat. So, without further ado, let's take a look at the Church's One Foundation. And we'll begin with myself, Tom Baker, as pastor, and also Mark Smith. He's also a pastor. The Church's One Foundation. Pretty good hymn, Mark, eh? Yeah, you know, I'd also like to know what the other, what the other 11 hymns are that he chose for the... Uh... For the eleven parts of the uh, for the twelve parts of the creed, that'd be interesting to know. Are are any of them familiar to you? Um, not really. In the items that I'm uh, taking a look at, they don't have a listing of the other twelve uh-huh. or the other eleven. Yeah. So without well, further ado, it's got five verses. Why don't okay. you go ahead? with the first stanza. Okay. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her, and for her life he died. What would you consider to be the important statements there? Well, the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ. And, you know, I mean, it's all important, uh, talking about how he, he bought her with, with, with his own blood. He bought her. He, he atoned for the church, his bride, with his own blood. And for her life, he died. I mean, that's all. <laughs> that's the gospel right there. Yes. Do you know why uh, it's talking about this hymn for this Sunday? You know, that's a good question. I noted that it was the hymn of the day. Uh, 
let's see. I think the gospel is about the feeding of the 5,000, isn't it? Right. It's actually the epistle, Ephesians 2. Okay. Let me read that section. It says, so that you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Yeah, that's so very that, obvious. That's that's why that hymn is chosen for this Sunday. Yeah, that uh, built upon the foundation of the of the of the apostles and prophets, right? Yeah, I just spoke Sunday. That uh, what part of the new temple are the believers? What part of the new temple are the believers? Yeah, Jesus is the cornerstone. Yeah, the apostles and prophets are the foundation. <laughs> And then the actual parts of the walls are the believers. Oh, I see. Huh, no kidding. You know, it's interesting that, uh, well, the hymn, of course, says, the church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. Now, of course, but, but of course, it's the apostles and prophets that give us the foundation of Jesus Christ in their writings. Would you not consider the cornerstone to be part of the foundation? Oh, yeah. Well, yes, yes, of course. But, you know, it is interesting that, it, you know, somebody somebody maybe doesn't know any better might say, well, I thought Jesus is the, is the foundation. And yet it says the church is one found, and, that, and yet uh, the epistle, Ephesians 2, talks about built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. That seems, it seems to a lot of people to be a contradiction. Well, it how isn't. Would you, how would you explain that? I, I just did. Okay. The cornerstone <laughs> is part of the foundation. Okay. Oh, is that okay? All right. That's your explanation. Okay. I See, I, I take it to indicate that who gives us, who tells us about Jesus Christ but the apostles and prophets? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And that's why a sermon on that will be talking about the task of pastors today. They're actually part of the foundation speaking of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Right, absolutely. And but notice you know, how... I wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't put myself on the same level as the apostles and prophets. You well, know you why? Should. No. Well, I'm I'm not inspired as they were. They were inspired directly by the Holy Spirit. I'm when I write a sermon, I'm not inspired by the Holy Spirit. I'm enlightened by God's word. What well, do you what think does, of that distinction? Uh, no, because the inspiration is in their speaking the word of God. Okay. And therefore, if we use the Bible in speaking the word of God, then we're using inspired words. We may not be personally inspired like they were, but you and I aren't writing Bible books anyway. Okay, good point. All right. 
So yeah. I, 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 you know, I, in other words, the apostles when they when they were inspired to write those words down, they were they were God breathed. They were uh, those words are, are infallible. They're inerrant. When I write a sermon, I may make a mistake because I'm not inspired as the apostles and prophets were. I'm enlightened. Well, does that help? Except for the fact that, remember, it was an apostle who told Jesus, don't worry about going to Jerusalem, we'll protect you. He yeah. wasn't inspired to say that. Yeah, no. In fact, he was told. But when he wrote, but when he wrote, he was inspired. That's true. But not all the apostles wrote. Correct. Yeah. There are 12 apostles. And basically, Matthew, and then you got Mark, wasn't even an apostle. Luke and John, those are the only three that wrote the Gospels. And then you got Peter, who wrote an epistle. James, who wrote an epistle. Which uh, James, by the way? The one Which who wrote James? the epistle. Yeah, yeah. Which James was that, would you say? I got you on the spot. I caught you flat-footed, Tom. <laughs> what James? Which James wrote the epistle, would you say? The apostle. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, no, no. Actually, I was doing some studying this week, and yeah. uh, my the studies, the studies indicated that it was uh, not the apostle, but Jesus' brother, who was the uh, bishop of the church in Jerusalem. He's the one that they believe wrote the epistle. The epistle of James? Yeah. I the had not heard Jesus. that before. The brother of Jesus is the is the one that they believe wrote that epistle. Not James James the the, the brother of John, the son of Zebedee, uh he was remember he was beheaded not long after John the Baptist. But so did also Jesus' brother become a martyr. That could be, but he I, he lived longer than the other James. Okay, I, I'm just unfamiliar with that. Yeah, I can't. I, Tom, I can't believe you're unfamiliar with anything. <laughs> oh, I am. We better we better continue with the hymn, right? All right, I'll read stanza two. Okay. Elect from every nation, yet one over all the earth. Her charter of salvation, one Lord. One faith, one birth, one holy name she blesses, partakes one holy food, and to one hope she presses with every grace endued. So, elect from every nation. It doesn't mean that everyone in every nation is part of the elect. What does no. it mean, elect from every nation? Well, uh, he, God's chosen people uh, are elected from from every nation. Go go and make disciples of all nations, and among those nations are God's elect. Yes, people who people who hear hear the gospel, uh, or people who are baptized and believe. Now, I find interesting her charter of salvation. That's kind of a metaphor. When you think of the word charter, how would you describe that to a child? 
a charter is it's what it's what incorporates the body. Uh, like when a, when a when a, uh, a congregation has a charter, that's when they actually officially formally become a congregation that that embodies them. The charter. And there are bylaws and rules that they are to follow. Right. That usually comes from a constitution. Yes. Yes. And the charter of salvation is one Lord, one faith, one birth. What's that referring to? Well, the Holy Christian Church has one Lord. Their faith is one. And one birth Holy baptism. Yes. I what about agree that, with that. Line, Tom, what about that line, yet one or all the earth? Elect from every nation, yet one or all the earth. In other words, the Holy Christian Church is, we, we, we talk about it being universal. Or another word is, is Catholic, which means it's, uh, it's the one Holy Christian Church that covers all the nations, or that, it, that comes from all the nations. Would you agree? Yes, there is no nation, and that's basically referring to the distinction between uh, the Jew and the uh, Gentile. Gentile, right. So when you say, yet one or all the earth, that's actually the church it's talking about. Yeah, all true believers in Christ. They're all one. They're over all the earth. And our charter is about Jesus, the faith he's given us by the Holy Spirit, right. and baptism. So, one holy name she blesses partakes one holy food. What's that talking about? That's the Lord's Supper, of course. Yes. And this could be used as a communion hymn. Oh, yeah. You can use this. This has a lot of uses. It's really one of my favorite hymns, even from my youth. I remember lo loving this hymn even when I was a kid. Yeah, it's one that a lot of us have pretty well memorized, too. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yet, we go on verse 3, if you would, to see the world's attitude towards the church. Though with a scornful wonder, the world sees her oppressed. By schisms rent asunder, by heresies distressed. Yet saints their watch are keeping, their cry goes up, how long? And soon the night of weeping shall be the morn of song. What, what, what verse is referring to that, you think, about the uh, their cry goes up, how long? Uh you know, I know the verse they're talking about, but I can't tell you what book or chapter it's in, but uh, it talks about the saints. And, you know, that always raises a question as to, uh, you know, are the saints – we're told that there's no sorrow, there's no tears in heaven, and yet the saints seem anxious for the second coming, for the final culmination of our salvation, when uh, when the dead are raised and and uh, and we're we're introduced to that new heaven and new earth, they usher, they usher that cry. Uh, how long? Well, are they are they 
Are they saying that crowd? What, what's what's bringing forth that cry? Is it the, the current concern for the church? That's out of Revelation chapter seven. Okay, I thought it was. I thought it was Revelation somewhere, right? Yeah, and so how long? For example, um, you're going to have, I like using analogies for these things. A, a child can be very content with uh -huh. the family. They love their mother and father, and they're told that soon they're going to be going to Disneyland. Uh -huh. And they're always asking, how long is it going to be before we get there? Yeah, right. That's not a word of dismay or anything. That's really a, a, a joyful hope that we are going to that place, but we're interested in how long. In fact, well, that is that is a very helpful illustration. I think that happens with believers. How many shut-ins have you met who are strong believers, and yet because they have no relatives living, etc., they would love to go to heaven. And they're asking the same question, how yeah. long before I leave this earth? Yeah. And so I, I don't see it, the question, as being something that is a lack of bliss, but uh -huh. it's actually filled with bliss that there's a time coming when they're going to be rejoined with all their loved ones. And so they're looking forward to it. And that's why they were asking how long. Mm -hmm. That's how I explain that. Yeah, I think that's a good that's a good explanation. All right, I'll read stanza four. Through toil and tribulation, and tumult of her war, she waits the consummation in peace forevermore, till with the vision glorious. Her longing eyes are blessed, and the great church victorious shall be the church at rest. So when does this toil and tribulation take place for the believer? Even now. I mean, we're, we're in the church. We're not in the church triumphant, yet we're in the church militant. Good distinction. Yeah, theology is the art of making distinctions, and for you— to think that you're in the church triumphant. And a lot of people do because they're wondering, why am I not being healed, etc.? Because you're not in the church triumphant. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't take care of you, even in the church militant. Well, what's meant by the church militant? Well, we're striving. We're still striving with the world, the flesh, and the devil. We're, we're, we're striving with uh, enemies of the church, uh, the, the, the world that is in contention with the, the church, and our own sinful flesh, and the devil. You asked the previous verse, their cry goes up how long. This verse says, she waits the consummation of peace forevermore. Right. And that right. waiting is part of a believer's attitude. Mm -hmm. because he'll have that or she'll have that peace. And till with the vision glorious, her longing eyes are blessed. What is meant by longing eyes? Till with the vision glorious, 
I, I think that's, is that talking about the beatific vision, when we see our Lord face to face in all his glory, when he returns visibly? Is that the vision we're talking about here? I really think you're correct there. Remember uh, in the Bible, it says, with my own eyes. Yes. Even those that pierced him will yes. see him. Yeah. Yes. So for the Christian, that's longing. It's right. like when you are, are going to um, a festival or something and there's a good meal you're going to have there. Well, you have longing eyes to get to that meal. And yeah. that's what the great church victorious when we will become the church at rest. Okay. If you'll do the last stanza, please stanza five. Okay. Yet she on earth has union with God, the three in one and mystic sweet communion with those whose rest is one. Oh, blessed heavenly chorus Lord, save us by your grace, that we, like saints before us, may see you face to face. Well, that's a good verse, and it just struck me. Uh, I don't know why this hadn't struck me before, but it, what, it talks about we have that mystic, sweet communion with those whose rest is one. You know, the church is also in communion with uh, with the church triumphant. The church militant is com communion with the church triumphant in heaven, the, the saints that have gone before us. In fact, uh, I always tell my parishioners, and this was told me, if you want to be close to your loved one that's, that's passed on, that's it's gone to heaven to be with Jesus, if you want to be really close with that loved one, if you're, you're longing for the, to see them again, you're, you miss them terribly, there is no better place than at the communion rail. Do you recall the liturgy that actually says that? Yes, it says uh, with saints. Let's see, how's it no, go? No, How, how's no. the liturgy go? With with saints and archangels no, 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 and all no, the no. company of heaven. What? With angels and archangels. And archangels and, and all, all the, the company, company of, of heaven. heaven. Right, you're right. We're yeah. we're already saints. Yes, and and so with all the company of heaven doesn't refer to just angels because you've already mentioned them, but right. that is the sweet communion that you have because their rest is already one. Yes. Now, from a long gospel point of view, what does it mean their rest is one? It's as though they ran the race and they received the rest. No, the rest was won by Christ. The rest That's was right. won by Christ, yes. Uh, what I like is this last verse also brings in the Holy Trinity. Yes. With God, the three in one. And, and yet, and yet, you know, that last verse, another thing, the first line, in spite of all the toil and tribulation and in, in, in spite of all the, the schisms and heresies, yet she on earth has union. We can still speak of the one holy Christian church in spite of the divisions, the heresies, and uh, the schisms among us. And the analogy I would use there is children are sometimes disobedient, but they still are in union with their parents who love them, take care of them, discipline them when necessary, 
because of the mission that God has given to them. So they are on earth in union with the representatives that God has given them, namely their father and their mother. But also in the church, they are in union with those whose rest is already won. Right. There is an ecumenical, there's an ecumenical movement in the, in the proper sense of the word. And ecumenical, what's the improper sense and what's the proper sense? Well, the ecumenical, we're, it's ecumenical in the, in the proper sense in that we all do have, uh, we, we all are part of the Holy Christian Church. It, it crosses all these different denominational lines. There's going to be, there's going to be Baptists, there's going to be Roman Catholics, there's going to be Greek Orthodox, there's going to be Lutherans, there's, there, you name it. Now, of course, uh, we we draw the line with uh, non-Trinitarian church bodies, uh, church bodies that deny Jesus Christ. That's a different matter. But That's we right. do have uh, – we are one with uh, – in the true sense of the word, we're one with these other, uh, these other Christian bodies. Even though, well said. Even though, of course, we can't always express that openly, and we draw the lines, uh, of course, at the communion rail, for, one, for instance. Yes. Well, thank you very much, Pastor Mark Smith, in helping us with one of your favorite hymns, The Church's One Foundation. Tomorrow on Law and Gospel, I'm going to kind of repeat what I did Sunday in a sermon because I, I use a technique I hadn't used before, and I want to share that with you. That'll be on tomorrow's Law and Gospel. Till then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.